Hello everyone, and welcome to That's Time When, the comedy history podcast where each week we take you back into the distant realms of history and tell you about some strange or unusual event that's happened. I am your host for this week, Barnaby King, and joining me, as ever, is my co-host, Amelia Edwards. Hi! Hello, how are you doing? You alright? Yes, thank you. How are you? Good, yes. So, I'm going to immediately go back on what I said in the intro. Okay, I I thought you were. (laughs) (laughs) Because this week, I'm not taking us into the realms of distant past. Okay. So, last week, you said that you had done the most recent sort of history that we've done on this podcast so far. And now you're going to try and beat me on that. Yeah, I'm absolutely. Until eventually we just start talking about the future (laughs) and this is no longer a history podcast, but some kind of weird sci-fi podcast. Yes. Cool. Just call us Nostradamus. (laughs) No. So uh, this is a very recent event. um, Okay. In terms of history, I'm actually taking us back to 2005. But Barnaby, that's not history. Well, yes and no. I mean, it. this is a particular event that I think has some significance for the modern day. Okay. Because I don't know if you've noticed, but there is a pandemic. What? Yeah, I know. Sorry, what are you saying? Yeah, so there has been this disease that has spread across the globe and has kind of brought the world to a shutdown in many places. Really? Yeah. How had I not noticed? I don't know. I, I I think the news really needs to get on with it. Like, I open the BBC app and I don't see anything about a pandemic or anything. I just see about how fantastically Brexit's going. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sarcasm on all fronts, obviously. Well, so obviously we have a pandemic going okay. on currently. Okay. But did you know that there was another pandemic that the man doesn't want you to know about. Was it Ebola? Uh, uh, no. Was it swine flu? Uh, no, no. Um, was it bird flu? No, no. Uh, uh, it was around the same sort of time. Was it that SARS <laughs> thing that was related to civic cats? No, 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 nothing like that, nothing like that. There have been an awful lot of pandemics recently. <laughs> yes, pandemics or... I think some of them were epidemics. Wasn't Ebola an epidemic rather yeah, than pandemic? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think it depends on how many countries you get. Yeah, well, I think it's epidemic is like in one country and then pandemic is when it crosses multiple. Sure. Yeah. Maybe. Well, anyway. We were trying to look up the definition of my school. Oh, no, I, I'm pretty sure that's it because pan means across. Okay. So. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, this is a virulent plague. Virulent. Virulent plague. Good God. That, as I say, the government doesn't want you to know about. Why not? Um, because it would cause panic. I don't know. Okay. Um, it's because, I mean, you probably, or like many people probably wouldn't have heard of it because it came from the little known country of Zolgarub. Okay. Is it, is it dreadful that I don't know the country of Zolgarub? Absolutely. You should, because that country was ravaged, ravaged by an individual known as Hakkar the Soul Flayer. And Um, he was responsible for a virulent plague that killed thousands. Killed thousands of people time and time again. Individuals died many, many times. Okay, this was a zombie epidemic? (laughs) No, no. So as you may well have gathered, this was not in our world. This was actually in a video game. Okay. But... 
It had such significance that multiple scientific papers have been written about it and it has actually been used to model people's behaviours in the event of a global pandemic. <laughs> oh my god, okay. So it's seen some relevance in recent times, which is one of the reasons I wanted to talk about it. The other reason I wanted to talk about it is just because it's mad. It's, okay. it's amazing and it was completely unintentional. Yeah, how do you make a pandemic in a video game? Well, the video game in particular that we're talking about here is the World of Warcraft. Oh, wow. For... <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> how did I not see that coming? <laughs> yes, World of Warcraft, abbreviated to WoW, is a massively multiplayer online RPG. Where, for those who don't know, basically you make a hero, a character of, like, one side or the other. There are these two factions, or I don't know, there might be more. I kind of lost interest in the Warcraft series at the point it became an MMO. Fair uh, enough. Massively multiplayer online. I have to say, most of what I've heard about World of Warcraft comes from the relationship subreddit. Oh, yes? Where it comes up regularly. Well, it has been... It's, it was an interesting phenomenon. It still is, by all accounts. I, I'm not mm. sure quite how many people still play it. I think it had a bit of a resurgence because of lockdowns. Apparently, a lot of people's boyfriends still play it mm. and ignore every other fa like part of their life. Yeah. So for those who don't know, this is a video game that you play online. You, As I say, make a hero. You are in a fantasy world of Azeroth. Uh, and you level up. You join up with other people. You like go on missions and things called raids, you fight bosses, you loot for equipment, everything like that. It's all all very uh, Lord of the Rings, but, you know, talking with other people, generally having them throw racial slurs around um, because that's what happens when you get any sort of multiplayer game. It just happens. Don't know why. It's awful, but there we are. So... <laughs> Stop looking at me like that. You just went off on an interesting tangent right there. Oh, I, I don't really play MMOs because people can be arseholes. That's fair enough. As a woman, I have been scared off of the MMO genre yeah. um, because of my voice. Yeah, that's fair enough. It's They tend to be pretty toxic places. But, mm. you know, some people, some people really like these games and some people play them like they're very genuine, they're very nice, everything like that. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like... I guess the problem with MMOs is that they are a real slice of life. Right. And in a way, that's kind of relevant to this because a lot of people kind of treat MMOs like a second life. Okay. Uh, not to be confused with the multiplayer game Second Life, where... <laughs> <laughs> I think you're going... You're going I'm going, off, I'm going off on tangents. Okay, okay. Back to World of Warcraft. So... Pretty early on in the game, I think it had only been released for a year, um, the creators made a special event where they introduced this land, Zolgarub. Okay. And the idea was that it was an area for very high-level players, people who had basically completed a lot of the rest of the game, mm -hmm. could join up and do this special new boss fight sort of thing. Okay, like, nice. Go through all these things. It's meant to be for very high-level people. Okay. And the final boss was called Hakkar the Soul Flayer. And right. he had a very special ability, which was called Corrupted Blood. What this would do is that it would infect a player with this, effectively, a disease. 
and they would slowly lose health over time until they died. But also, if another player was nearby to them, they could spread it like a disease. Okay. The idea was it was meant to force players to sort of spread out in this sort of boss arena, which yeah, like okay. make it a bit different so they from can't, the usual sort of thing. So they can't sort of team up against yeah, this yeah, against yeah. Hakala the Sword Flayer. Cool. So the idea was this would happen to them. Mm-hmm. They'd be forced to spread out, they beat the boss, and then when they leave this area, this debuff, as it's called, goes away. Okay. But there was a problem, because some classes in World of Warcraft can summon pets or minions. Okay. And they then, kind of like a sort of Pokemon thing, put them away in their pocket. Right. And then can take them out later. Okay. Players with this ability would summon pets for this fight. Mm -hmm. They would get infected with the corrupted blood. Yeah. They would get put back into their pocket. And then they would go back into the sort of rest of the world that was previously cut off from this, mm-hmm. open up their pet. Mm-hmm. The pet had corrupted blood. Oh, no. And it spread. And it spread fast. And it was aggressive. Okay, so they basically created, like, the Black Death yeah. with plague rats. Well, yeah. I mean, this is the thing. Most pandemics we know of start with animal-to-human transmission. Yeah. And this is one of the reasons why... The corrupted blood incident, as it's known, has been studied by Mm -hmm. epidemiologists because there are so many things that actually mimic real-world behaviour. Okay. So, as I say, this was meant to just happen for this boss fight. And, as I said as well, it's meant to be for, like, players who've been, like, have high-level characters playing Mm -hmm. for a long time. So, for players of that level, it was an inconvenience. Right. For players of lower level, it was deadly. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you've now got vulnerable people who've just started the game. Exactly, exactly. But not only that, this became like known about quite quickly. People were like, what is going on in this game? So mm-hmm. lots more people who maybe haven't played a lot recently or like are curious, created new characters. Oh. Appeared, yeah. became carriers. Yeah. And not only that, there is even more because they also had asymptomatic people. Really? Well, sort of. So, uh, for those who don't uh, don't know, the term NPC means non-player character. It's basically yeah. a character in the game that's not controlled by any sort of human player. Yeah, it's part of the game. Yeah, it's part so of the like story. shopkeepers, like people just wandering around. They could get corrupted blood. What? But they couldn't die because they were NPCs. Okay. But they would still carry it. So people maybe would like to go to a shop, walk up to the shopkeep and get infected. Why is it a possibility for these characters to get a corruption? Um, well, it, it's because of the way it was designed to spread, because it was designed to spread character to character, okay. but it was never expected that it would be in these areas. Right. So the NBCs still count as characters. Okay. But they haven't put up a thing saying that NPCs can't get it. No, because there would be no reason for them to code that into the game. Okay. Because, as I say, no one expected this to happen. Yeah, right. Blizzard, the creators of World of Warcraft, tried to get a handle on the situation. One of the first things they did was they introduced voluntary quarantines. They designated an area of the game where people who had the corrupted blood would be told to basically go here and mm-hmm. stay, t- stay there until we got this under control. 
They okay. also gave players the ability to flag themselves so that they could easily point out, hey, I'm infected, don't come near me. Okay. And they also tried to patch the game, to introduce various things, to just try and stem the tide of this disease. All right. Well, could we talk about some of those ideas, like, for a moment? Yeah, sure. Because I think it's really interesting, the idea that you could quarantine yourself, mm. but you're playing a video game, yeah. so why would you want to do that? Because some people were very invested in this game. Okay. And they still wanted to play it. And the company didn't want to just go, hey, don't play our game yeah. <laughs> until we sort this out. So because basically they couldn't they couldn't force players not to not to be there. But did they have anything to do when they were quarantined? Well, they did have a whole city to run around in. And okay. like it, it wasn't just, hey, go here and just stand still for ages. See, that was what I was imagining. No, no, no. They basically like marked off a section of the map and was like, hey, if you have this disease, go here, do all your stuff here, but just don't go out into the wider world. Maybe that's what our government should have done. Been like, okay, go to, I don't know, let's mark out a city. <laughs> go to Manchester. Um, go to the plague pits. Go to Manchester. <laughs> what we're going to do is we're going to set up some quests for you like loads of fun <laughs> activities and like keep you occupied until you're done <laughs> well i guess the problem with that is that you know vulnerable people if you're encouraging them to go around and mingle they're, they're probably going to die more easily like they need to be in hospital this, i suppose that's true this but... is the thing obviously video games are not real life these people <laughs> were not like while they were dying yes they weren't you know unwell they could still do everything that they could previously do i guess i'm thinking more like high level npcs so for the non-vulnerable people who've got it and don't have to go and Sit in hospitals. Yeah, but the problem was that this had spread so much that it was such an array of like different levels of people, as it were. Right. So different vulnerabilities. Okay. So as I said, Blizzard tried to patch the game to fix this problem, but it didn't work. Okay. The entire infection uh, happened over the course of one week. Okay. Eventually, they solved it by resetting their servers to before this event had occurred. Ooh, so, okay. Yeah, basically, they did what, you know, world governments cannot do with a pandemic, <laughs> which is go back in time and yep. go, no. <laughs> <laughs> so despite this taking place over a week, mm -hmm. it had a lot of really interesting things happen. And I, I guess I guess for this episode, I'm kind of straying more into my own sort of field, which is uh, psychology. Yeah. I did an undergraduate degree in psychology, and th this is more that, but I, I still count it as a historical event, and this is our podcast, so we can do what we like. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, aggressive. Well, I'm aware that it's not strictly, you know, history, but it is a significant event in the past, and it has been studied and it's relevant mm. today. What is history anyway? Exactly. My step-grandfather always used to say that me studying anything after World War II didn't count as historic mm. because it happened during his lifetime. Well, yeah, that's the thing. People, like, you can have different definitions for history. I mean, studying the Cold War is something you can do as a history student. Yeah, and were we alive for any part of the Cold War? We were born the year after the Cold War ended. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what I want to do is I want to take you into the game, as it were. Imagine Ooh. yourself, you're a player, 
wandering around, what would you have seen? Well, the first things that you would have seen is that the major cities of the game had been largely evacuated. Okay. And this is because on the streets of the cities are corpses. Oh, God. Everywhere. Okay. In the game, when people die, they leave behind a little skeleton that hangs around for a while. And there are images from the game where you can see the streets are basically paved with bones. Oh my god, okay. So many people had just died in these cities. And because, you know, they're close together, people Mm -hmm. are spreading it rapidly, they were just evacuated. You may, though, see infected zones where there are players who were playing healer characters helping out the sick where they could, either by rapidly healing them or trying to, like, dispel the curse, as it were. Right. Basically acting as doctors in the quarantine zones. Amazing. Lower-level players who wanted to help out but didn't have the ability to do so would stand just outside of quarantine zones and warn players to turn back because they're heading into an infected area. Okay. That's so cute. It is cute. It is very cute. There are some things where it's like, oh, these people are actually being really lovely. Yeah. And then there are the people who intentionally wandered around spreading the virus. Like bioterrorists, basically. Mm -hmm. There were people who kind of acted like doomsday prophets standing in like urban areas just narrating what was going on okay kind of like the end is nigh all these places are dying (laughs) look at what's happening here and some people started selling snake oil cures as well okay (laughs) in order to profit off the panic have we had any snake oil cures for coronavirus well like except for the obvious donald trump told people to inject bleach that's true and there was that big rush on hydroxychloroquine as well um which i think there's a city in america uh was trying to sell all their hydroxychloroquine back to the companies they bought it from oh my god yeah okay i I take it that didn't go well no it didn't all right but this is Also kind of relevant to our own pandemic because this happened because misinformation was being spread on social media. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So these cures were being touted by people who then spread it on social media. That lie was spread willingly or otherwise. Mm Mm-hmm. And people were profiting off the pandemic. Amazing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, as I say, this took co- this took place over the course of a week and eventually Blizzard just went, nope, and did reset on the whole thing. Yeah. Imagine if you reset our pandemic. It would be really weird, actually, because <laughs> yeah. we would just have one day back in, like, last January or whatever yeah. it was, we'd have been like, the Chinese government seems to be really up to something because they've just cordoned off the whole of Wuhan yeah what the hell (laughs) and then we would have had a whole thing about human rights abuses Mm -hmm. and we would have been like why are you doing this and they wouldn't be able to tell us it's because they reset the world (laughs) (laughs) so what i kind of wanted to talk about here was the fallout from this event not so much about the event itself although it is kind of delicious especially because this was completely unexpected like this was not a planned event this was an accident What I want to talk about is how people have kind of used this to study pandemics afterwards. Okay. 
there have been a number of studies and a number of sort of new ideas, new ways of looking at things that cropped up as a result. Mm -hmm. One of the arguments, when people started looking at this and going, hey, we can actually learn something scientific from this, there was a good argument that, you know, life is not a game. Death is not just an inconvenience and that people were not likely to intentionally go around and infect other people. But that's not really true. This is what we've seen in the recent pandemic because people are very willing Mm -hmm. to loudly flout lockdown and any sort of like COVID regulations. And even though they may not be going, you know, hey, I'm going to give you this disease, they are effectively doing the same thing. They're... Ah, and this is going to be quite distasteful. Okay. Um, for a warning for people who don't like distasteful things. Right. Um, but there are some people that I've heard of who have, for example, um, got into uh, legal trouble right. because they have contracted AIDS. Mm-hmm then felt really angry with the world about this and then uh, deliberately spread it. Yes. So, like, purposefully gone and had unprotected sex with people in mm. order to spread the disease and feel, I guess, a sense that things are being right because they got a disease that they're very unhappy about and they wanted to spread it to other people. That makes sense, actually. I haven't actually seen any sort of links between this sort of study and AIDS. Um, it's a very... I, th- I can imagine it's not quite the same scenario because AIDS was so, like, specific. Yeah. And it's not something that you could spread just by standing next to someone. You no. have to, like, purposefully go around. Yeah, that's that's definitely the thing in this case mm. because corrupted blood was 100% transmission rate. Yeah. And you just had to be near someone. I mean, there's a few things as well that I imagine wouldn't translate well from this pandemic. So, for example, like coronavirus parties. Mm. Remember right at the beginning of the coronavirus epidemic when people were like, hey, we're young and healthy. Maybe we should just get it over with. True. But there are other sorts of behaviours that we saw from the corrupted blood incident that had previously not been considered in this sort of pandemic and that we have kind of seen a little bit of uh, in today. Okay. Well, that was a weird s- sentence. Give me some <laughs> examples of our in today activities. <laughs> okay. So, as I mentioned, uh, when this event, well, this things first started, people flocked online to mm-hmm. see what was going on, but they also flocked into the cities okay. to see what was happening. And as such, they became carriers. Mm-hmm. And when this initially was uh, reported well, it was one of the arguments against using this as a model of pandemic behaviour because it's kind of like people wouldn't do that Yeah. but the thing is journalists do that that's true they go into places and particularly we can think about like war correspondents will, go mm-hmm. in, will specifically put themselves in danger in order to find out what's going on obviously war you can't spread but diseases have the same sort of principle I've just thought of a good example of this yeah Okay, do you remember when Boris Johnson had to go around yes. and shake hands with yeah. all those doctors? Yeah, absolutely. And then contracted coronavirus. Yeah. And then spread it to everyone else in government, as far as I'm aware. And in fact, the doctors uh, right there, that's also analogous to the healers mm-hmm. 
who were in the game trying to help out low-level players but unwittingly spread the disease further because they were going into infected areas, catching it themselves, and then coming out. Oh. And then they would spread it. Yeah. What we see in this pandemic are doctors, nurses, frontline Mm -hmm. healthcare workers who insufficiently protected catch the disease Mm -hmm. and unintentionally spread it elsewhere. Yeah. So... There are there are just all these like little links where it's like, hang on, this actually is quite analogous to what's going on. So I've mentioned that this has been had actual sort of scientific studies on it. Okay. Uh, particularly famous is a paper co-authored by Nina Pfefferman. Amazing name, Nina. Amazing name, isn't it? Is that with a PF at the beginning? No, F E double F E R M A N. That's amazing. Pfefferman. It's a great name, as well as Eric Lofgren. Mm -hmm. And they put forward a proposition that this could actually be used to model pandemic behavior. Because prior to this, Mm -hmm. uh, studies on pandemics had been somewhat intellectual and as a result had missed out some very important psychological features. Okay. Which is basically that humans are not rational. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Prior to this, the idea was that if you told people to quarantine, they would quarantine. Corrupted blood showed that people did not. No. The quarantine areas that were set up, people rushed to escape, regardless of like being told, you know, you're spreading this elsewhere. They were like, no, I'm not doing it. I'm going out. Yeah. You also had... um, Areas that were designated quarantine zones were evacuated. People just left immediately being like, I'm not being in a quarantine zone. I'm going elsewhere. Yeah. And if we think back to Christmas, for example, when our government did the stupid thing of first saying, you you can can have have five days. And then went, no, you can only have one day. And what happened that very night? So many people got on the trains. Yeah, exactly. We were going to do it. We we, we discussed it, yeah. yeah. Ultimately, we didn't, but, you know. It was something that was very, very tempting because we'd had this promise made to us. Yeah. And I guess, like, if you're in a video game, then the promise is that you get to play the video exactly. game. Exactly. And the second someone says, no, actually, you're restricted to this thing, you're going to be like, well, fuck you. I'm going to do what I want. Yeah. And people did. People mm. just, like evacuated out of these zones and as such they spread the disease yeah and this is why it's kind of fascinating because obviously blizzard did not solve this problem like they didn't solve it by getting people to quarantine getting it all sorted Mm -hmm. they just press reset on the whole thing but they didn't have a vaccine well that's true but I guess the idea is that patching the game is the equivalent of getting a vaccine for it. And they failed at it until they got to a point where it's like, people are not finding this fun anymore. Okay. We've got to just like do a hard reset. I imagine if if people like didn't have a choice, yeah. then it would have been a longer process of getting a patch, which is analogous to a vaccine. So what you're saying is that we need to get... Like the original Superman to fly <laughs> backwards around the world until we Absolutely. spin backwards, which will turn back time, and then work our way all the back way back, get rid of this year, like um, <laughs> Avengers style, yes, and start over. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Being really confused about what the hell is going on with the wet markets in China. Yeah, 
Yeah. But, okay, like, all that aside, there is stuff that we can learn from it. And Lofgren and Pfefferman, <laughs> their paper does suggest ways in which, you know, we can learn from this and things we can do, particularly with how we model pandemics. Okay. Because using these virtual environments is a much more ethical way than, you know, creating a little pandemic and seeing what happens. That is true. And in fact, this is something that happened. Another researcher in 2013, a man by the name of Frederick Chen, designed a 45-day online game that simulated the outbreak of a disease. Okay. Now, players, they would get points if they stayed healthy and would lose them if they got sick. And then at the end of the study, they got a cash reward based on how many points they accumulated. Okay. The idea being that, you know... Even though they're not putting their life at risk, there is some sort of risk to them. Yeah, they're not just going to mess around like you might do in a video game because you can always leave it. Exactly, yeah. So they wanted money. Yeah. And the researcher wanted subjects, so yeah, okay. let's get them to play this game. So each day they were told whether or not they were healthy or infected, how many other people were infected, and basically were told this is what you can do, this is what you can choose to do to protect yourself against the outbreak okay at different points during the experiment these costs changed and the idea was to sort of see at what point people went the cost of self-protection is too high i'm just going to go out and risk it sort of thing yeah well that makes sense as well if we're thinking about all of the people who've had to work through lockdown because they have to have money to survive and it's a bit of a it's a bit of a sad outcome really because people got frustrated with it so much so quickly that they did just go out and got infected Mm -hmm. and by the end of the by the end of the study frederick chen actually had to give some of the grant money back because he paid out far less to players than he was expecting to oh my god yeah i think this is it's one of the reasons I want to talk about and why like, it fascinates me as someone who is like vaguely a psychologist. Yeah, yeah. Is that... Much like I'm vaguely a historian. Exactly, exactly. It's, it's so interesting to see different ways that you can study things that otherwise are not easily studied. Yeah. Obviously, like the pandemic will give scientists a wealth of information for years to come, but we still want to know what we can do differently. Of course. And... I just find this really fun. I, I, just, I, I like this idea of creating a video game and then just introducing these elements to it. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, Lofgren and Pfefferman did actually approach Blizzard with the idea of, hey, can we do something like this again in order to actually like put in some more scientific rigor, mm-hmm. model it properly and like see what's going on? And Blizzard yeah. at first was like, yeah, that sounds really cool. We'll go along with that. And then as time went by, they were kind of like, nah, we're all right, actually. Which, which is understandable from them because they want their game to be fun. Yeah. And not pandemic-y, which is not fun. Well, you say that. They did actually do another plague intentionally okay. in 2008, um, <laughs> which was kind of like born from this idea because it was a small cultural event, shall we say. Mm. Um, so they did kind of, they wanted to do it something similar, but clearly they were not up for doing scientific rigor that research requires. Well, if we want to add a little bit more historicism to our plague 
yeah. story. Um, would you like some examples of how the how the plague in like how the original Black Death plague mm-hmm. um, got spread that wouldn't happen today? Okay. So I've got two examples that are quite interesting. Yeah. So my first one is the way it was originally spread from the Mongolians. Mm-hmm. Because did you know the plague originally happened to the Mongolians? I didn't know. And um, there is actually a study that suggests it was originally created by gerbils. What? Yeah. Okay. So in little gerbil labs, <laughs> they yes. manufactured the virus in the order gerbils to. Had had enough of humanity. Yeah, they wanted to wipe us out so that the gerbils <laughs> could rule the world. Well, okay. So gerbils originally come from the Gobi Desert. Yeah. Um, and it's suggested that because we know that plagues tend to come from human animal contact. Yeah. It was gerbils. Yeah. Um, so the Mongolians were the first people to get the plague but mm-hmm. for them it wasn't such a big deal because they were nomadic so they didn't have big cities for it to like fester oh, right in. yeah but as you also know they liked to invade places mm. and they were like hey we've got this mysterious illness that spreads really easily and we want to invade this city what mm-hmm. did they send in like plague carriers they hurled dead bodies of plague victims over the walls. Oh, nice. And thus spread the plague within the city and took it over easily. I mean, that's pretty horrifying without the plague. Oh, yeah. To just have bodies flying over the walls. And pretty unsanitary. <laughs> I mean, that would probably do something anyway. I mean, yes, like typhoid and cholera spreads like that. Yeah. <laughs> so this is one thing that hasn't happened during this we haven't pandemic. flung bodies over the walls of Norwich. We haven't purpose <laughs> like we haven't had anyone purposefully infect another country or city in order to take them over, which That's is true, yes. like way more of a medieval thing to yeah. happen, I guess. Um and also that city was one that traded with the with the West more ah. and with Europe, which is the reason that Europe ended up getting the Black Death was because the Mongolians were like, Hey, we don't like this person and then it spreads <laughs> across and kills like what was it like a third of everyone yeah. in Europe except for Hungary for some reason? But I mean, it is analogous to how the virus has spread in this pandemic in the modern day. Mm. Not not so much with you know trying to take over places, but you send someone into a trading hub or like someone goes into a trading hub. Yep. They spread it around. People go elsewhere and they take it back home. Yep. And that's how it spreads. Absolutely, and, and that's how it spreads back in the day and that's how things spread now yeah Uh, the other one which is kind of interesting and i'm pretty sure this was the black death but it might have been a later one Mm -hmm. was so you know that england has almost permanently been at war with scotland right yeah (laughs) okay so the deal with english scottish relations in medieval times Mm -hmm. was that it was mostly an issue of raiding parties rather than like trying to take over a whole country and the scots would regularly raid the north of england Mm -hmm. and the northern english would regularly raid the scots hadrian's wall doing bloody nothing no no it's (laughs) pointless and it's not even the wall with scotland anyway so So, um, the Scots were doing pretty well during the Black Death, Mm -hmm. um, but they noticed that the English weren't really doing much and, you know, weren't fighting back very much. So they sent a raiding party way down into England. Oh, wow. um, To take advantage of our weakness with this disease. Yeah. Got in contact with some of the English (laughs) and the soldiers took it back up into Scotland Oh my with them, God. And that is how Scotland got the plague. That's crazy. Granted, I think we probably did have some trade going on with Scotland, so they would have got it anyway. Yeah. But it is one of those like unfortunate incidences where yeah. a lot of people suddenly had 
the plague and yeah. they all took it back into Scotland. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think warfare and disease is something that's mm. not really happened here, but I wonder if it happened on more on... Uh, World of Warcraft. Quite possibly, because the game is designed to have, like, two factions. Mm. Um, the only sort of problem, I guess, is that it's spread to both sides. Like, you couldn't really take over a place because everywhere was emptying out. I guess so. Yeah. In fact, this is great. So I looked up an article uh, in order to sort of research this episode. And this was... This is great. This is one of the easiest episodes to research because you didn't have to like worry about sources so much because mm-hmm. it's so recent. It's like it's all there on the internet for you. Yeah. But it's great because this is what I kind of saw from this. As I said, like right at the beginning, I don't really play MMOs no. at all. It's not my sort of thing. But people who do, some people take it very seriously or oh, like yeah. they, they seem to. And interviews with people who were there during the Corrupted Blood kind of makes them sound like you know, survivors. Okay. Oh my god, you've got an oral history of this. Yeah. Incredible. So I've got I've got a couple of bit extracts from a an article by Games Radar. Okay. About the corrupted blood incident. I remember it well, says longtime World of Warcraft player Owen Winters, who had started their journey with the MMORPG just a few weeks before the incident took place. I logged in one evening, and Stormwind was just full of corpses. I thought maybe there'd been a horde raid. So I just continued about my business. I went to the auction house, and the next thing I knew, I was dead. <laughs> I couldn't for the life of me figure out what was wrong. I died three or four more times that day. <laughs> <laughs> That's so dramatic. I know, right? Was that Owen Winters? Owen Winters. I love him. Another player who identifies himself as Toronareth of Bone Chewer. Yes. Reminisces on what it was like to be in Orgrimmar, another city, at the time. Describing the scenes at the Orc capital as a nightmarish tableau of chaos, confusion, and pandemonium. (laughs) In a world before social distancing, all you would see were dead bodies littered (laughs) all throughout the Orgrimmar auction house. What does he mean, in a world before social distancing? (laughs) This was 2006. 2005. 2005. Yeah. Uh, Pointing to the World of Warcraft's real-time marketplace as the deadliest breeding ground for the virus's infection rates. Trails of bodies from the auction house. <laughs> Two other major points of interest, namely the bank, were a common sight for days. One could watch as people would resurrect their corpse only to catch the plague and die again seconds later. Oh my god. Eventually, people stopped going to Orgrimmar altogether. It was a virtual ghost town. As somebody guilty of spreading this plague, Seeing the city abandoned gave me a smug sense of satisfaction. Oh no! <gasps> Bioterrorist! Oh no! In fact, this was like this incident has not only been used to model pandemic behavior, but also terrorism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because people like it's it got people to form terrorist cells because they saw this as an opportunity. Yeah. Uh, I think there has been less research on that because it's kind of been seen as le- much less relevant. Um, and of course, like when I say, you know, you can use these virtual environments to model this sort of stuff, model pandemic behavior, there are of course limitations. Like again, as someone who studied psychology, one of the main things you learn is how to critique articles mm-hmm. uh, talking about scientific research. But it's an interesting starting off point, I think. And I would love to see more of it in the future. Yeah, absolutely. I think you could do a great thing if you could get 
some psychologists and sociologists to team up with a game developer, you could build a sort of online game that is designed to just have at various points throughout its life cycle just these events and see how people behave in it. I, I reckon there would be a way to do it. I've actually, while I was while I was do- doing research on this episode, I kept in my head thinking, well, maybe if you if you do this game like this and you have like this punishment for dying, it will make it feel more real for people. Mm-hmm. Or like, um, you could. Oh, I don't know. I, I can't remember now what I was thinking, but <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think there are possibilities there. Yeah, I can yeah. see it. I guess the issue would be ethically is it okay like would you have to tell people that you were doing experiments on them yes no absolutely you would but the thing would be basically you get this game Mm -hmm. and it would have to be like a good game in and of itself yeah um but as part of it when you're signing up for it you're informed that hey at some point these events are going to happen yeah like you don't tell them what but you go some stuff is going to change and then people can either be part of it or not be part of it. And you can still, like, you can in psychology, you can still, like, deceive participants as long as it's not going to cause them harm. Yeah. And as long as you're careful about what you're deceiving them about. So you could absolutely, I would say, get people to play this game, be like, hey, stuff's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then at some point, give them a pandemic. I was just imagining, what if you gave someone a pandemic on Animal Crossing? Oh, God. That would be hideous. No, we play Animal Crossing to get away from the pandemic. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but what if, like, Tom Nook suddenly just took ill? <laughs> what if Tom Nook was it, just heard over the announcer telling everyone to stay in their homes? <laughs> and then Tom Nook goes house to house, intentionally infecting people. Oh, no. <gasps> Tom Nook, the bioterrorist raccoon. <laughs> People come up to you and teach you a reaction, but them teaching you a reaction at such a short distance without a mask means that you get the disease. Yeah. So this is why I wanted to do this as an episode, because I think it's fun. It's, it is very recent, and I'm probably not going to do many episodes that are this recent. That's fair enough. But I thought it was relevant because, you know, we're still in the midst of a pandemic and <laughs> we're still in lockdown God, I don't know if I thought when we started this podcast that at this point we would still be, you know, so heavily in the pandemic. Okay, when we started this podcast, we started a few weeks into the pandemic and I remember being a bit nervous because we were taking a while to get started and I was like, by the time we start, the pandemic will be over. (laughs) Lockdown will be over and we'll have lost all our spare time to do this because at that point I actually had some spare time. Mm. How um, young and innocent we were. Yeah. <laughs> I was convinced it was going to be over, like, in a matter of, like, a couple of months, and we were wasting mm. time, and yeah. it turns out we could have taken six months to get this yeah. started. Oh, my God. It, it really goes back to, like, the, the um, Frederick Chen and his 45-day uh, game, how people got, like, self-defense fatigue. Yeah. Like, you you feel that. It's hard. It's, um, it's hard. I think... It's interesting, though, because there's certain conditions in the UK that you couldn't necessarily replicate very well in a video game. So I think for the first lockdown, people were much more willing, not just because it was the first lockdown, but because mm. it was summery. Mm, and that's true. anyone who had a garden, which is a reasonable number of people, yeah. had access to some nice fresh air outdoors. And you didn't have to 
worry about the fact that it was cold and wet and rainy and you were stuck in your house. Well, you could kind of... I, I, I could see a way you could replicate that in a game. Mm-hmm. You basically just change the area that people are freely able to move around in. Yeah, that could work. So you have it larger for a while. Yeah. And then you change the season in game and, re- and like restrict. Like, you physically cannot leave here and be safe. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Sorry, this is just thinking out loud right now. Oh, this is game development podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, yeah. So I, 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 that's really where the story ends. As Fair I say, enough. the entire event only lasted a week. And there has been some uptake of it. And there's been some more sort of retrospectives on the event since COVID-19 happened. Um, but I think it's interesting. I think it's 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 a mad story just because it like, this was never meant to happen. Yeah. This was... A, a an organic event as it were and i think it's cool i think i think they should do more stuff with like virtual environments sure yeah um so for those uh, for those listeners who want something a little bit more historical like further back in time <laughs> thank you i don't i don't mean no it no it's fine way. for those of you who want something a little further back in time it is half term this week whoop, whoop. and that means that i'm going to do a bonus episode which should come out a little bit after bonus this episode, episode. Bonus episode. Bonesaw. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, that's the wrestler from Spider-Man. <laughs> okay, cool. Sorry. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. If you're interested in topless ladies fencing, then... Uh, Bonesaw know. likes topless ladies fencing. Just keep an eye out for this extra <laughs> bonus episode, which I'll do later on this week. Thank, Thank you, you so much for listening. Uh, th- yes, thank you for listening. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at that time when for. You can email any suggestions you might have for us at ttwpod at gmail.com. And a thank you to Kevin McLeod for our theme song Anachronist and pretty much any other music that I put in these episodes. And thank you to you. See you next time. 